Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum 2021 podcast series. Over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, for which we are very grateful. This is episode number 19. I'm talking about online journalism with Simon Cocking, the senior editor of Irish Tech News. Welcome, Simon. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Pleasure to talk to you. Simon, could you just start off, uh, perhaps just tell me a little bit about yourself and then about Irish Tech News? Yeah, look, I guess the most relevant context would be that um, for a long time when I worked in public art and environmental education, uh, we part of what we had to do was to publicize our work. So, so, so while not being a journalist, we would write the stories that we wanted to get in the paper and then we'd lobby and pitch to journalists and then one of our metrics would be the amount of media coverage we achieved so so i guess i was the other side of the fence but i had a sense of trying to tailor stories uh to make them usable for journalists and then i did also occasionally write for uh it was called circa it was an, the the uh, irish art magazine and i was on the sculpture society and i wrote for them as well so so i always did write and even when i wasn't uh, a journalist as such uh, i was engaging with with coverage so i guess that would be the context and then with irish tech news about maybe 10 years ago now wow uh, i felt my skills were a bit soft after the uh, recession and i needed to retrain so ericsson took me on uh, as a software engineer and i discovered that i'm a, i'm a terrible coder but i do understand how coders work and the gap between uh, what can be built in code and clients and and ericsson and many others had 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 a either a sweet spot or, or a blind spot where the coders love to code, but they didn't necessarily relate well to customers. So uh, I, I was much more suited at uh, intermediating between uh, developers and the public. And then as I'd free, freelanced and written before, Irish Tech News was uh, a platform that seemed relevant for the new kind of topics I was learning about. So that brought me into the Irish Tech News orbit. And then uh, gradually it made sense and there was more work and there was more opportunities in the communication of technology rather than being a coder. And thankfully, that was a great thing because uh, I can write fast and I can code. And while I understand coding, uh, I do not love coding. So effectively, you've moved from basically a public relations type of career into journalism. Would that, would that be accurate? Well, yes, sort of, because... For 10 years, I was uh, an environmental and community artist. So, so the, the first line was make the art, but often the photographer wouldn't show up. So then I started documenting the art. So, so I was doing PR, but I was doing it in a scrappy and strategic way. And then similarly with the environmental education, uh, we worked with the regeneration in Ballymun and we were in the schools teaching environmental awareness. So uh, the, the PR became a part of what we did, but, but first it was the art and then it was the education. So, so it's a yes, but 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 I never trained specifically in PR. It was more, uh, I, th- I think, like some of the best artists. The best artists are also great self-promoters. And without w- wanting to be a great artist, uh, I knew that you had to be able to promote what you did. I find it interesting just uh, an awful lot of journalists are moving in the other direction, uh, you know, moving towards public relations or even moving towards things like writing fiction and so on. Just it's interesting to meet someone that's come in the other direction instead. Uh, tell me a bit more about Irish Tech News. What kind of stories are you? Are you basically covering Google, or are you covering 
small Irish stories? Are you covering world news? Wh- where is the focus with Irish tech news? Yeah, so that's a great question. And uh, I guess prior to my involvement, uh, uh, my, 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 my business partner and founder of Irish Tech News, John Armstrong, he... He, he moved into the space because he wanted to know how things worked and he loved uh, taking things apart and learning how they worked. And then when phones came along, uh, I, I think it would be fair to say that in the early days, Irish Tech News was more of a, a phone review site. Uh, but, the, but the challenge was, was that uh, the phones would get released in the US often several months before anyone in Ireland got their hands on them. So therefore it became, a you know, as, as people more and more went online to read a review, it became a little bit redundant to do a review if you if you in Ireland were only getting the the, the hardware months after it had already been reviewed in in the US. So uh, so John was very open to us covering other areas and so like startups, uh, both Irish and not Irish. And then you see we'd look at the data a lot. And so we had an interesting experience when in December of a calendar year we ran a story with about an Indian billionaire who'd grown his company and sold it. And, and a bit like Star Wars coming out in the last month of the year, but being the best grossing film of the year, this article about the Indian billionaire, even though it had only been in the calendar month for four weeks in the year, but only the last four weeks, it was the most viewed article of that year. So so that, and, and obviously a large amount of those views were in India. So on one hand, that's not surprising. On the other hand, it was it showed us that that if we wrote interesting stories about interesting people, to some degree, uh, it would find its audience in the world because the large majority of those views were from India for, for obvious reasons, because, you know, he's the equivalent of their Elon Musk. And and therefore, the data has allowed us to be uh, creative and experimental. Uh, and basically, we've looked on one hand, we cover things if we think they're interesting. But on the other hand, if the data is saying that people are interested in cryptocurrencies, uh, we certainly did a lot on blockchain. And when things were very, uh, a lot, when there was a lot of interest in it in 2017, 2018, uh, we were doing a lot of stories about what is blockchain, what is Bitcoin, why might it be interesting? And, and, and the data for the article views showed that it was well worth covering those subjects. So, so there's definitely a degree of pragmatism. At the same time, you know, I have been in a lift with uh, people from BuzzFeed who talk about how their articles are generated uh, almost like reverse SEO. Like you're given the words that get the most hits and you have to make the titles up. So, so I don't want us to just create titles based on clickbait and solely what's trending. So I guess we're always, uh, you know, I think the human role here is still that we are curating and we are doing a mixture of what we think is important stories to cover, like COVID-19 and cures and vaccines, but also what we think our audience might be surprised by and interested in. And and, and a recent example would be, uh, we've been doing a lot on green and clean tech, and we've been doing things on hempcrete, which has been like a journey for me too, to work out what on earth are these things, but they're green building materials that are healthier for people. And there seems to be a wider interest, so it makes sense to write about it. So I guess the answer is, is, we don't just write about Google. Uh, I don't personally just want to do phone reviews, uh, but I think it's interesting to look at technology in ways that it could impact on our lives. Do you take pitches from freelancers, uh, people looking for stories, or what would be the opportunities I would have as a freelance to work with you? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, on one hand, we get pitched all the day, all, every day, all day, but but a lot of them are actually just looking to, to plug and place products. So, 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 you know, we like it, it's almost a, a copy and paste response because basically it's like, yes, you can pitch to us, but if you are 
self-promoting or advertorial, then then that's a different conversation that we're going to have because um, we're not looking for things like I mean, like a recent bad example was somebody wanted to do a list and uh, it was a list of five companies in a certain sector to watch, but they put their own company at number one. So it's like, well, that's not really a very interesting and 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 it's very transparent what you've done and and you know not in a way that is of value or interest because you know it's hardly coincidence you've rank, ranked your own company number one so you know that that's that's the kind of stuff we're not looking for um we're a bit of an autonomous collective i mean so you know you introduced us we we my introduction came through ronan so ronan uh, leonard uh has a particular type of area he's interested in cybersecurity and things like that so uh, I think he finds it useful to write through Irish Tech News because it amplifies his audience and gives him a wider reach to to, to dive into the things that he he does. And equally, um, a lot of people who've written for us, it's helped them to get uh, verified with the blue tick on Twitter, which again, uh, if as a journalist, if, if you have the blue tick, it, that can open other doors too. So therefore, we we do we do take pitches and we look to create good content, and we also do work uh, hard to make sure that the people that write for us also get value back. And then um, I guess we have a debate internally about how much time do you spend on creating content and how much time is spent on making sure that it's effectively promoted across different platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere. And and it, sometimes it seems like it might be 20, 80, 20% on a really good content, but 80% on making sure that uh, it's tagged and effectively um, positioned. So. I guess those are nuances. Some people just want to write and they're not necessarily thinking about that. But but these are things that we can offer to people because we have thought about it and we can see that if you spend time, like we interviewed someone yesterday who is the head of the uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He's also on the board of WHO and he uh, lectures at Stanford. So we know that those are all Venn diagrams of audiences that we can probably tap into by the fact we interviewed him because Th those groups that he's associated with and he's also with McKinsey are all likely to share a profile of somebody who's one of their leading lights so it's that mixture of there's a lot of good content but there's a lot of content out there so you have to do things to differentiate yourselves and that's the kind of added on value that, that we try to offer to people who write with us I mean what I got there simplifying greatly is 20% of the time writing an article 80% of the time figuring out how to promote that article is that correct? Um, I think so. See, fortunately now we have a lot of automated social media sharing. So, so thankfully now it's that eighty percent. I guess is almost um, not put on the writer. The writer knows they deliver the content, and and these other wheels will spin on their benefit. And a good example is so. So we've rebooted and we've moved the podcast that we run um, over to Anchor, and. What we like about this is it's got better data, better analytics. And when you post it there, it flips it to six other podcasting sites. We then uh, bring it into Irish Tech News, which then with an AI we have on the back end, turns it into another uh, post to another channel on iTunes as well. So basically one interview can end up on seven or eight platforms. So, so that's almost the one to eight ratio, but a lot of it, the writer doesn't have to go and push it on those things. It's now done automatically, but it means that the idea is, is that we want to make our content as accessible and consumable in the way that suits the person. So if they want to be jogging or walking, walking the dog and their favorite podcasting site is Spotify, then we, we're making sure that we're there or if it's iTunes or uh, Anchor. So, so these, again, this is the thing about, 
getting the most value because otherwise you have some people that create a lot of content but they've they have no sharing strategy and therefore they don't necessarily get the value back for the time they put into creating it so i guess that's how we look at it really i'm, I'm wondering too is is seo search engine optimization is that driving the story ideas that you push or is is it something you think about afterwards is it we've got this interview how do we best promote it or are are, are you driven a lot by what what what's is is trending at the moment and following that how much of it is trying to get us ahead of the search engine and be the thing that the search engine discovers rather than trying to catch up with what the search engine is already telling everyone yeah and so i think i think that's both a good question and a challenge and and like i was saying about some other sites that almost do seo bingo and and tell the writers to compose the title based upon the keywords uh I, I I don't think there's as much. I'm, I'm not as interested in doing that, uh, and therefore, like with Hempcrete, uh, I think Hempcrete is an interesting story, and therefore, I didn't look at the SEO potential of it. I know in general there's an interest in green building, uh, resilience, remote living. So I'd almost start with: is this subject interesting, and then what might be the relevant ways to to tag it to wider trends like the resilience and green living and i mean tiny homes is something that's having a has a big following on there are several youtubers that do tiny homes so if we're writing about green building often there's an overlap but i see the thing is it's a bit like human nature so in the early days of seo you'd have then seo keyword stuffing and people would be shoving it into the the title and into the html and and the thing is is that as fast as you try to gamify the system, the Google algorithm is then trying to catch the people that are gamifying it. So, you know, on one hand, if, if, if you're if you're too close to that, then 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 you're going to go up and down as fast as the Google algorithm thinks you're trying to game the system. And so therefore, if on the other hand, if you have several steps back from that and you're trying to create good, interesting, engaging comment that is uh, content that is also probably evergreen then 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 y y you might not be viral and you might not have a spike but over the over one to five years you might do better and and again this is the thing that we found from the data that uh from the analytics in any week in any month uh, of course maybe the top 100 stories are the things we publish that week but we have a long tail where we may have up to 5,000 articles viewed over that period and there might be one two three four five views building up as you go through the list uh, but some of them could be one to five years old but because the title was relevant to what someone searched uh, a lot of the evergreen content is still bringing in views for us and, and and i think that's a good example of why if you don't just like you say chase the trends and do keyword stuffing but create relevant content people will come and read it because it matches what they wanted to find out rather than what was nudged and pushed in front of them because you gained the SEO. And so I would, I prefer the other way because I think it's a more sustainable strategy. Okay. If I was pitching you, how do I go about it? Do I just send you in the short email or is there a particular day of the week or time of the month that uh, suits better? How are your schedules? Are you daily, weekly, monthly publication? Yeah, it's a good question. And, 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 and I wonder how, like like, like I, I get far more pitches than i'd like so i'm wondering like i haven't been asking people to pitch me but we still get pitched you know particularly because some uh are now trying to, to plug products so uh people seem to find us and uh, i think what happens is is that you know on, on the other hand at the bottom of every article i publish 
my emails on it. So therefore, I can't be too surprised. But on the other hand, I don't think some of these people pitching us have even worked that out. They we they seem to be finding us and scraping us from lists. And then I guess equally, um, you know, uh, we'll often get listed on, you know, top five, top 10 journalists on Twitter in Ireland to follow. So I guess once you're on lists, then it's quite easy for people to find you. And again, um, you know, uh, the, the Twitter name that I have is the same as my name. The LinkedIn name is the same. So basically, I guess if you're findable, then then people find you pretty quickly. And then all, all, all of our staff's emails will be Simon at irishtechnews.ie, John at irishtechnews.ie. So you could almost guess it. So I guess those are the ways that people find us. And in terms of when, um, we basically aim to just reply pretty fast to everyone that comes in. Um, so there's no particularly good or bad day. Although I did make a point of trying not to read any emails from about Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve. And I was amazed that people were sending press releases and stories. So so I think it's important for us to have some, you know, digital detox or offline, but but not everyone does. Yeah. I suppose I should ask you as someone that's covering the tech industry and journalism and that, that particular intersection has been a, a turbulency for the last few years. Where would you see the industry going since we're just heading into the new year, this is recorded just at the end of uh, January, although it'll be a couple of weeks before it goes up. But where would you see the industry going? I suppose the next year is a bit difficult because of COVID, but even beyond that in the next three to five years, are there any particular trends you'd say are worth keeping an eye on as a journalist? Um, yeah, uh, I, I think the one about um, letting people learn and I'm going to say the word read, but I don't all completely mean read. Uh, let people consume the ideas that you're putting out in the way that suits them. So so we, ha we have an AI that means that all the text articles on the site could be listened to as well. So therefore, if you don't even like reading, you could just listen to them. Now, those don't go out in my voice. I'd quite like us to have Samuel L. Jackson's voice or someone, but it's just a more generic one than that. Um, so so what I mean by that is, is that I think if, if you can make your content uh, either watchable, listenable, readable, or, you know, basically the, 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 the reader or the user or the listener can just, can just toggle through to their preferred way to engage with your content. I think if you can do that, you will make it a lot easier for people to, to see the value of what you're doing. And, and again, this is why we've rebooted the podcast because uh, with lockdown and Corona, um, US figures were the podcast consumption went through the roof, maybe times four. So therefore, it made sense for us to have our stories or as many of our stories there as possible. Um, so I guess that's that's the thing. I mean, there's potentially video, too. But obviously, I guess there's the bandwidth as well. And again, you know, when we're driving or jogging or walking the dog, there are times when we don't necessarily want to watch something, but we might want to listen to it. So I guess that just goes back to give people the option to consume it. If we mean actual trends, uh, I, I think uh, the pandemic has has done a massive push to things being more remote and more digital um, we've had remote interns for five years but with several colleges uh, it was harder for them to see the value of this whereas now that they are now teaching in i'm talking irish universities now they're now teaching their own students remotely they now the the, the conversation has flipped and they now understand why we did remote remote placements and, and that therefore that isn't a barrier to their students still getting useful and meaning, meaningful experiences. And, and so we've just taken on three from uh, CIT, uh, Cork Institute of Technology, who previously uh, hadn't been convinced of the value of remote internships. So, 
one, I think that's a great trend and also it works for us. But two, I think it's also helping the people that are interning with us for the kind of jobs they might do in the future. Uh, because I think one of the things that's happened through the pandemic is people have realized a lot of what you can do should be based on the quality of what you do and the timeliness of what you do, not how long your bum is spent on the seat doing it in a particular building. And therefore, you know, therefore, I think you, if you can deal with Slack, if you can deal with feedback and work remotely, but still work, you know, like if you can understand how to do good work and that it's not because someone's not in your room all the time that you'd slack off, then I think you will become an effective and desirable worker in the future. So that seems like a good trend to have used the last year to take advantage of. I guess those are two things. I mean, Internet of Things is going to help as the price of census falls, then uh, we can do things a lot faster and more intelligently. So a lot of interesting things got pushed further down the line by the pandemic. And, and now I think it's a bit about people joining up the dots and putting together things to, to move forward some, with some interesting solutions that people maybe would have felt weren't ready yet. So I think it's quite an exciting time. Are you doing video of your articles at the moment or just audio? Yeah, so we are just doing video. Um, it's the kind of thing where we're definitely discussing it and uh, we uh, are thinking about it or how to do it. And then we're, we're weighing up the bandwidth and connectivity. I mean, wouldn't it be great if it was 5G everywhere, but really proper good 5G? So, you know, it's the kind of thing that, that as, as the network and the technology improves, then some things may just become a lot easier to do a lot a lot a lot more quickly um so so no but it's definitely something that we're thinking about and even the podcast we've done the podcast for four years but since august uh, we've really gone back and reassessed it hard and tweaked some things and changed some things and moved platforms uh, to work out what we want and why we're not getting what we want from the previous platform that we're on so i guess there's a mixture of you can visibly see what we're doing. And there are other things that you can't see what we're doing, but we're definitely thinking about it. Since you mentioned you were on uh, Anchor, actually, how, how does that work as a business model? Is that a, you would have a choice if you were doing video, for example, you could uh, film video, host it on your own sites and serve your own streams, or you could upload video articles to YouTube, which then basically sells advertising during or before your ad, and then you get a share of that. Uh, how do, how how does the arrangement work with copy with anchor do they drop in their own ads at the start and then you get a share of revenue or yeah so 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 we ported over to anchor at the beginning of january uh so i think you have to hit a certain certain threshold before uh they they are interested in serving up ads so so i so i guess for me the, the, so what are we with we're three we're into our fourth week of data so what's what's been what I've been really focusing on is the gender balance, the age balance, the uh, devices that people are using, the geographical location of where they're coming from, and 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 like I've seen that the, the traffic has gone up every week for the four weeks, uh, which is a, which is good, but on the other hand, it's not surprising because it takes a while to gear up the social media and let people know and start to review your your catalog. Um, so so the, 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 these are all things that that. that I want us to have a really clear idea of who our audience is and what our audience likes. And then you're in a better position to work out on the, on the advertising side. So, so I guess that's the kind of thing that um, talk to me in six months time, and then I will know how that's going. Whereas for now, the, the, the reason we switched is, is that the, uh, we were on SoundCloud, but the data was just really clunky. And I didn't really believe the data because you just get these random spikes at two in the morning from Dublin. And I just didn't feel 
that the data was accurate, whereas this one seems more granular. And, and therefore, you, we're experimenting. We've been experimenting on optimal times of day to put it out, uh, frequency, um, and then types of content. And so therefore, these are all things that, you know, I think you just have to experiment to then know better who your audience is, what your audience wants, and what resonates. And in some ways, that's 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 it's it's useful to do that for a period of time because then you can have stronger conversations with advertisers because then you know much better what what the hand is you're playing so i guess come back to me on that one because that is something we're, we're, we're deep into analyzing at the moment have uh, just actually another thought on uh, different ways of getting your message out have you done any work with uh, mail newsletters everyone seems to be moving to those at the moment yeah so so we're, we're putting out about a thousand articles every hundred days. So therefore there's a good number going out every day, more or less. Uh, although we aim to do much less at the weekend just to create um, uh, a manageable workflow and, you know, life work balance. Um, so therefore at the end of every day, we have enough content coming out that we can do a daily digest of those days pieces and you're not just getting one you're probably getting between six to ten pieces um so that goes out daily but then we also because of the podcasts we have enough podcasts coming through now that we can do a weekly podcast digest via email as well so we do do it uh i think it has some value uh, we do look at the stats to see how how, how many uh, views and listens are brought in from it um but i would say I'd say it would be it would be silly not to do something like that, and and then you assess it, it it is it the best delivering tool that you use, or is it still useful to use? I mean, it's a bit like um, it would be a shame not to share your content on Twitter, and Twitter sometimes will bring in fifty percent of our traffic, and then on other days it doesn't. So therefore, I think you have to be on most platforms. Um, but but then a caveat to that is is that. Uh, we've just taken someone on to do some experiments with us on TikTok and Snapchat to see what resonates. Is it worth spending time there? So I think you have to remain open to new platforms that come along and then assessing, uh, is it relevant for you to have a presence on them? So a bit of both, you know, e email digest newsletters. Uh, it would be, it would be a shame not to do it, but there may be some days I think they punch that punch for you and punch their weight and other days, uh, I think other things do do better, but ideally, if you've got, you know, if you've got six or seven tools that you're using, then it's it's a wider approach to to bringing in traffic. If you had to stick with just one platform to build up first, what would be the one platform that you would stay with? Mm, yeah. So okay. So 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 personally, and and I think for many journalists, uh, Twitter is super useful. Um, it's between retweets. I mean, so so we we just interviewed. Um, a guy who was the head of uh, UNEP um, and he's obviously pals with Dr. Tedros from Hugh, from who, because he then retweeted the interview with the guy. So therefore suddenly we, you know, we, we've jumped on the audience of Dr. Tedros from WHO, WHO <laughs> as well. So, so Twitter enables you to get out of just your own audience and potentially reach new audiences with, with any piece that you publish. So therefore I do have a lot of time, for Twitter. Um, conversely, with Facebook, I'm 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 not a big fan at all because anytime you get any traction, they look to throttle your reach and say, okay, well you reach one percent of your potential audience, but if you pay, you can re you can reach more. So you know, it, it, for all the reasons I like Twitter for being able to jump onto a wider audience than than is my own following, 
or the Irish Tech News is uh, Facebook does the opposite. So I, I guess if we had to choose one, and because back in the day, there were some days where Twitter brought in 50, 51% of our audience, you'd, we'd be silly not to see the value of that. At the same time, LinkedIn is great because LinkedIn is professional. It's just, it's, it's, it's the right place to be putting content. So, you know, I think there's a few, but I would definitely rank maybe LinkedIn and Twitter as the go-to ones for us. Is there anyone that you would say is... It, it's maybe fun to be there for your own purposes, but it's just not driving traffic at all. Yeah, so 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 I guess that's why we're doing experiments on Snapchat and Instagram at the moment. Um, I have a personal private Instagram account, uh, which is just for me posting photographs. So it's completely a fun thing, not a work thing. Um, and you know, obviously, because Instagram's owned by Facebook, you know, you have all the concerns about, I mean, we just reviewed a book about Instagram that was saying that it's being used to sell sell drugs by various hashtags. So there are a lot of um, dubious aspects to, to some of these sites. Um, and therefore, you know, it's one where we have less of a presence. On the other hand, we're open to experimenting. And that's why for the next three months, we're running a series of experiments there because like I guess I've expressed I've expressed my personal preferences, but at the same time, if the data says we're rocking on Instagram, then I then I'll change my opinion. You know. Listening now, I'm starting to think maybe I should talk to you again on the autumn and see what insights you've gleaned from the research that you're going to planning on doing. Maybe we'll do that. In the meantime, Simon, thanks very much for talking with me. Yeah, look, thanks. It's a pleasure. And yep, yeah, if you can do anything to help in six months' time, then it sounds good. So uh, thanks for thanks for chatting. This has been the Freelance Forum podcast with Jared Cunningham. The forum is brought to you by the Dublin Freelance Branch of the National Union of Journalists and made possible by network funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sectoral Learning and Development Programme.